Hey guys, this is Taylor from this podcast that you're listening to. Uh, we just wanted to warn you that in this episode, we do touch on a lot of violent themes. We talk about school shootings, gun violence, and just violence in general. That's sort of the the theme for today's episode. And so we just wanted to warn you, if any of that is not your cup of tea, if you are easily offended or uh, you find that disturbing, that kind of content disturbing or difficult to listen to, then uh, we would advise that you listen to a different episode or you find something else to do for an hour and a half so love you guys thank you so much for listening um here's the podcast goodbye did you never do the red ribbon program no oh my how have you never you don't know the dare song there's a what song so there, there's this program called Dare, okay. um, and they go around to different schools, uh, and they sort of preach like the anti-drug thing. Mm-hmm. And their their mascot was like this lion. I think his, his name was probably Leo, if I had to guess. <laughs> um, and like they had this, it was just a whole thing. It was like a week at school. It was called Red Ribbon Week, and you'd wear a red ribbon, and then all the all the uh, dudes that would come in would teach you everything you ever needed to know about drugs. Um, and so you're like, you're, you're like a little first grader who's like still not taking his own like cough medicine. And they're like, okay, kids don't do PCP. And then, <laughs> and then you're, you're just like, like, what's PCP? They're like, it's a drug that makes you feel really good. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um, I've never, was that never, like public school or something? Yeah. Public school. Um, it was I a didn't public go to school. public school. See, you're a loser. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that much is obvious. Yeah, the, the dare program it, it was it was terrible. It was it was never any good, and it was always like I don't know. It's just you you'd literally get a red ribbon and you were supposed to keep it all week, and then like some people would win these games or whatever. Like if you did the least drugs, you'd win it. I don't know. If you did the least every day, you had to come in and give a urine sample. <laughs> <laughs> Who's done the least drugs? You know, I was one that one. <laughs> Not because like I didn't do drugs, but because I I never peed. <laughs> didn't have any samples, and so they were just like, ah, oh, he went. That, that I guy. guess he wins. <laughs> yeah. Also, like you know, like as a kid, they didn't have to do much but look at me and be like, that kid, <laughs> he's that not, kid's not. He's not doing drugs. Yeah, he's he's clean. You can tell from him with his six Pokemon cards. He's not doing that. He's good. We're good. let's move to the next. Let's the next next yeah. guy. The next first grader. <laughs> anyway segueing into what we're actually talking about today this is media for the intellectually impoverished i'm randy i'm taylor and this is the podcast where we talk about movies tv shows video games to enrich your media ochre lives took my line man man i really thought it'd be nice if we kind of split it up in the middle but i didn't tell you that until it happened and then now it's happened and it sounded good okay we'll keep it in i guess anyways today we are going to be talking about violence in movies and video games this See, was my topic yeah, and i'm very was, excited she's excited i was also i didn't think i was going to be as excited about it until i started hitting hitting the books and i was like wow i'm really actually kind of passionate about this kind um of i've got a little bit of passion in me um i had a little hatred inside me i have a little violence inside <laughs> of me we all got a little bit of violent guy inside of us it's like waiting to get out it's one person makes the wrong move and it's just like the the, the tiny little flower at the top of the dam and it's no i told you that my anger has been getting the best of me recently i got mad that my friends 
picked houses and showed me houses, and they didn't like my houses. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with my houses? Well, because me and some of my friends are were planning on like renting a, a townhouse or a townhome or something, and so I had given them a bunch of um, examples or options, and then they went and found their own options, and it ticked me off a little. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're rich, and I'm not. <laughs> I can't afford these big old mansion houses. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But no, violence is, you know, especially in, in today's times, violence is, is prevalent. And it's prevalent in media um, because it's prevalent in society. And so, you know, there are some good examples of that and there are some, you know, bad examples of that. And I think that, I mean, I plan to touch on a little bit of, of both kind of. Um, I don't know what you plan to do. So do you want to go first or should I go first? I went first last time. I think you should go first. Okay, cool. So you can't talk about violence without talking about ratings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to media, there's a, you know, since we've been kids, we've sort of been ingrained with this idea of rating, like ah, PG, G movies, general audience, PG, parental guidance, uh, guardian, parental guidance, guardian, something like that. Parental um, guidance. Guidance. And then, you know, uh, on and up. And in the uh, video game world, it's, uh, e, E for everyone, E10 for 10 and up, T for teen, and then M for mature. Um, and I believe that that's it. There's also some ones that are like, I think they're called NC-17, but I don't know if that's a movie or a video game thing. It is uh, movies. Um, so, the, I mean, M is typically the highest you see in uh, most games. And then there's just games that are not rated. Um, so those ratings are, are not just like slapped on a game just because by some random guy that's making it they're actually sent through um the esrb the entertainment software rating board um and so you know they they haven't been around since video games have been around actually it was uh only built because of controversy and so basically what happened is back in uh 1992 a couple of controversial video games were released uh and then in lieu of that, in December of 1993, Senator Joe Lieberman um, held a hearing at Congress and talked about sort of violence in media or video games specifically and how it's, quote, corrupting the minds of our children. After that, or around that time when that hearing happened, Sega, who, people that made Sonic, right? Mm. They had their own sort of big gaming company. They had their own gaming system, the Sega Genesis and the Sega CD. But they had their own sort of... Uh, rating guidelines and it's sort of it was it was ga for general audiences uh mature 13 and mature 17 and then there was not rated which is nr um and so that was sort of created by sega to sort of combat this uh system of like completely just you know everyone was releasing whatever they wanted and and there was no rating system so every game was technically sort of marketed towards children Mm -hmm. and so they were making the argument that because there was no rating system and there's no way to distinctify whether or not these games were too violent for children. So at that point, they proposed to uh, other companies like Nintendo that, hey, just use our rating system for a while while we get this sort of new system set up and while we figure out these hearings. And Nintendo complied and big, big distributors of games like Walmart and Toys R Us announced publicly that they would only be selling games with a rating on them in order to get companies to start complying to these rating systems. Mm-hmm. And that was in late 93, around the time uh, that the hearing happened. Wait, so when did this, when did the, um, they first make the rating system? The, so 
this rating system was sort of created. It doesn't it doesn't have an exact date, but it was created in, in late '93. Okay. Um, and then this this hearing happened, and then uh, after that, they proposed it was called the Video Game Rating Act. It didn't go anywhere. It was a bill proposed by Senator uh, Lieberman, and it was to increase funding around like censoring media, okay. right? Censoring video games. But it failed because the VRC was sort of widely accepted. After that, in July of 94, so three months, four months later, um, the VRC held a hearing at Congress and proposed this, uh, the uh, ESRB. So they said, hey, rather than having you guys step in and do this, we've decided to come up with an independent company that is solely based around rating video games so that we have a standard by which all games are rated. And the Congress voted, and they said, yeah, that sounds reasonable. So we're not taking a step in. Um, you guys are rating things yourselves. And then uh, September 16th in 1994, the SRB was founded. Now we're rating our own games, uh, and that allows us to sort of say, so when you sell a video game, you cannot sell an M-rated game to anyone under the age of 17. So you have to check your license, or not check your license, check an ID and be like, hey, are you old enough to purchase this game? And if they're not, they're not allowed to sell this game to you. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you're supposed to uh, tell parents like, hey, this game has uh, nudity, smoking, violence, sex, um, and stuff like that. And you tell the parents and you're like, is that okay for your child? And then they'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's still that problem of like parents being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then seeing this and seeing their child play it and then arguing that like they didn't know that this was going to happen. Now they don't have that argument as solid because the SRB has on the front, it has the rating and on the back, it has the specifics of why they gave it this rating and how it got this score. So they have like a scoring system. Mm -hmm. If you beat that scoring system, then you level up and you turn into the next sort of ratings, the higher rating. But as I said earlier, there were two games that came out in 1992 that were the big hits of controversy. One of them should not have been, and the other one makes perfect sense. So the first one, Night Trap. I mentioned it once, and then we've talked about it a couple times. Okay. It's sort of this backwards slasher game where instead of, you know, in a slasher film, you've got the slasher dude, and he's coming out and killing all the ladies. Uh, in this game, you're saving all the ladies from basically the slashers. So the sort of main story is you're like an FBI agent, and you're watching through these cameras, these security cameras, footage of a bunch of girls at like a sleepover. I do and remember then, this. Yeah, we, we talked about some it. Clips I showed you some clips after the <laughs> podcast. It's really good. It's really great. You guys should check it out. And your main source of like, a, like keeping these, um, they're called augers at bay, is by using these traps in the night. Hence, night trap. Really? Yeah, it's blowing your mind. We isn't made this it? joke before. I love this. My favorite joke. Just like. <laughs> You know, finding out why it's got the title and explaining it way too thoroughly. But in this hearing, in the Senator Lieberman's 1993 hearing, they used Night Trap as an example of gratuitous violence and sex. They must not have even taken a good hard look at the game. Because if they had, they really wouldn't have picked it. So one of their arguments was that this game was rewarding rewarding players by showing scenes of women being potentially murdered um or women in you know risque like being murdered or captured you know mm -hmm. uh, but the scene that they refer to is this 
scene where a girl is in the bathroom and she's in a nightgown, so she does not wearing a lot of clothes, but it's a freaking slumber party. What did you expect? People are going to be in pajamas. <laughs> but not just a bathrobe. No. No, she's in she's in a, a nightgown. Oh. So she's got like a like a silken top and she's wearing something underneath. Oh, and then okay, she's okay, got okay. like silk bottoms. Okay, okay, never um, mind. And so Did I hear that wrong? You said bathrobe, didn't you? No, I said nightgown. No, you, okay. I'm, well, I'm we're ooh. gonna listen back to it. <laughs> and she's in a nightgown. Who I zoned out real hard. <laughs> I was gone. I was gone. Straight zooted. <laughs> Uh, but the scene involves these augers and eventually it's sort of like they turn out to be these weird vampire people who are like sucking blood. And so they have these weird sort of, you know, those like retractable claw things that mm -hmm. the toy claw things, we can grab things from really far away. They basically get a really big version of those, uh, which has like a little, and you clamp it around their neck and then it sucks their blood out, but you don't even see that there's no blood shown. It's just sort of shown lighting up. Yeah. Um, what happens is if you fail this trap cutscene then she gets pulled into the wall by like five dudes like all in black and she's got this clamp around her neck and it's if you, the scene sounds when you put it like that like really kinky. <laughs> real kinky sounds really risque i would say but when you watch it its tone is less risque and more just comedically bizarre and so th they were arguing that like oh they're rewarding the player by showing them this scene it's a game over screen that's not a reward by any means. If that happens and you lose, that's you have to restart the entire game. <laughs> There's no <laughs> checkpoint system. I guess you're right. Yeah. So it's not a reward. It's it's a loss, and it's it's just dumb. That was one of the reasons. That... Yeah, but I mean, if you're like an insane person and you like seeing people being killed, but that's that's an exception and not the status that's, quo. You're right. You're right. So the status quo would be most people want to finish the game. Of course. So this was released on the Sega CD, right? Which the main sort of people buying the Sega CD in the main market for the Sega CD was 19 to 22 year olds. Okay. So it's not, it wasn't advertised for children. Oh, yeah. And Sega's rating system gave it an, an MA-17. Okay. So this wasn't advertised towards children. This was advertised towards teens and adults. So, but it was, but it does, I mean, it doesn't have adult content in it. But like you're saying, it was, it wasn't for kids. It wasn't for kids. And, and it's, that's pretty clear. But you can tell from the cover which is like a really old B-movie horror flick cover of a girl with her face going, ah, and then the picture of the house, <laughs> and that's it. And it's you could argue that that's a little bit of a risque cover, but that's the tone of the, the game and the, the, the movie that was filmed. Uh, the movie was filmed in, I think, 87, and was going to be released on uh, a system called the Nemo, which was going to use VHS, VHS cartridges instead of, like, a CD that we would use. Mm -hmm. But when that system fell through because of, you know, like, no one wants to use a VHS tape to play a video game. I don't want to play VHS. It sounds really cool, like, in retrospect, but at the time, it was not financially was, yeah. possible, you know? It was old technology as well, I'm mm -hmm. assuming. It was old technology because, you know, three, four years later, the Sega CD comes out. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's reading discs. And people were like, whoa, it's reading discs. Yeah, but their argument was that this is a game that is gratuitous in its violence and uh, like shameful and disgusting. And I, when, when you play the game and you actually watch it, it's really poorly acted and sort of it, it's like watching killer clowns from outer space and playing a video game based around that, which there is, by the way. Really? Yeah. 
Oh no. It's like a shooter game. You have to like shoot them in their noses. And that's the whole that's that's it. That's the whole game. I did not I think it's on the Wii. On the Wii? I think it is. No. It is it is pretty it's pretty great. But like not great at all. Um but anyway. But the person that picked Night Trap didn't do a whole lot of research other than looking at the cover and the synopsis because they could have picked which was released in the same year, Doom, which is a game gratuitously filled with violence. Mm -hmm. Uh, The premise of Doom, for those of you who haven't played, is you're a guy shoved in hell. Well, not in hell. You're on Mars, and they open a portal on Mars. Hell and and Mars are very two different things. Well, let me explain. They open a portal on Mars that opens to hell, and then out comes demons. Okay. And then this guy shoots all the demons, and they explode in bloody fashion, and it's a good time. Really it's a fun. good time. It's uh, fun. It's, it's a, a fun ten game. out of ten. Ten out of ten. I'd, yeah. Would experience again. again. Would go again. <laughs> yeah, I would go. You know me. Me and that Mars. Always <laughs> shooting those aliens. Shooting, shooting those, those demons. Shooting them demons. Um, they could have picked Doom, but like for some reason they picked Night Trap because it. It's, Probably because of the cover. Cause the it's cover. just because of the cover. The cover, and they changed the cover when they re-released it after that. Oh, that was smart. Yeah, and so it's it's less like B movie and more like poorly designed cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a girl sitting in the right corner with like starfish arms, and then it says Night Trap at the top, and it's a picture starfish of starfish arms. You know, when you stick your arms out and like your whole body is like a starfish, and you just like five points, so you got like right leg legs are about shoulder width apart, and you get your arms at like an angle. No. Well, <laughs> that's made, what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. I made it up, but that's what it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the other game that they chose to talk about at that hearing, which makes perfect sense, is Mortal Kombat. So the history behind that, Mortal Kombat was a cabinet game originally. It was designed um, uh, during development. They wanted to have Jean Claude Van Damme um, star in it. Dude, do you know who that is? He's a martial arts actor, sort of like a Bruce Lee, but um, a little bit before. Bruce Lee I think yeah so he's just like a martial artist guy sort of that same idea uh, just in action movies like that okay. yeah but it was made in the style of Street Fighter 2 it was uh, that, that was sort of the big popular fighting game at the time was Street Fighter 2 um, because it included like blocking and combos and special moves and different inputs depending on like where you how you, how you use the controller um, and so it sort of revolutionized the fighting game at the time and Mortal Kombat sort of took that and they're like cool but how can we make it sell and they were like let's make it extremely violent so the violence was a selling point for the video game mm-hmm. they were like this is street fighter but it's got lots of blood and uh it's got lots of decapitations and we're killing people and then you know you can learn these special moves that'll like really really kill someone like finish him kind of finish kill him yeah it yeah. was sort of it was designed around this sort of photorealistic so they kind of have Photos of the people in costume, right? And then, depending on what you're doing, they have different animations and different photos of the person that they play through. And so it's this 80s kung fu style fighting game um, where you're flying around the the screen and you're, you know, chopping people's heads off and electrocuting them and seeing their bones. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came to time to release its console release, two big consoles at the time, like I said, the second Genesis and the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Well, they had to, Nintendo made the decision, they were like, we need to censor it. We have to find something that we can do to sort of 
make this because Nintendo was was a child system and it was marketed towards children. Mm -hmm. And if they're putting this game on there, which would have made them a lot of money, but they didn't want to lose that sort of we're doing this for children. Yeah. Um, but the decision uh, to censor it was not given to the developers of the game or even the, the people who headed the um, home port version of it, who was Acclaim, uh, Mortal Kombat being developed by Midway Games. Um, Acclaim Games was the, the home port version, so the port version being we need to reconfigure the code a little bit so it'll fit with these specific systems. Uh, they, what, the, the decision was made by Nintendo and by Sega, collectively. They didn't give the developers any sort of say in it. You know what their decision was to censor it, though? Change the blood to green. I guess that works. Did it work? I mean, I mean, obviously. No. No, it didn't? No. So they I took mean, a, because... It wasn't the only change. They okay. made some of the animations a little bit less violent, mm -hmm. um, but it was sort of thrown, like, thrown to the shithole when the Sega Genesis released it with a secret code that you could use to unlock all the violence again and change the blood back to red so that's where the famous uh video game passcode a b a c a b b comes from oh okay it's uh because in mortal Kombat, when you press those buttons it was like cool graphic mode unlocked that's or something cool. like that but i don't see why green blood would i mean who, okay who was fighting was it like it's humans humans okay then yeah never mind i mean because i Aren't there some like Mortal Kombat games today that like aren't human? They're humanoids. Humanoids, okay. Um, but the original these were like very like obviously these humans. were humans, okay, because like, they, they were they were literal photos of humans in costume. Okay, well then yeah, I was gonna because if it was humanoid figures, then Green Blood is just like oh they just have like goo inside of them or something. Yeah, like you know, uh, we see that a lot in like I was saying earlier, like Wii games or Nintendo games, they'll mm -hmm. when they want to have enemies that do explode with some sort of blood they put a green goop under it and mm -hmm. so it's like oh they don't have blood they have goop it's just they're goop, goopy and they're fine yeah and so people don't freak out about that but you know at the same time parents were sort of appalled that these systems were being or these games were being marketed towards children at this point and so there was another big selling point for the uh sort of the the congress and for all of the you know activists and and people that were more upset about this 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 sort of violence in video games and it was a selling point for the argument that there is too much violence in video games these days which i can agree with on the mortal Kombat side but also mortal Kombat had you know it was sold because it was violent yeah that was its selling point and so if you're like oh my children are being exposed to these violent video games and it's a home port which is a home system, someone had to buy it for you, for them. Mm -hmm. And it probably wasn't the kid. Yeah, no. So if you don't, and that's one thing that kind of bothers me is people that don't do their research about video games, purchase them for their children, and then complain yeah. when they see the violence in it. And they're like, well, people are exposing my child to this kind of violence. And it's like, no, you bought the game. You, bought the game. you purchased yeah. it. And now, nowadays, Legally, they have to tell you what's in the game, especially if you go to a, a game distributor, mm -hmm. so like a, a GameStop or, or just a local game shop. They have to be like, well, this game, you're purchasing an M-rated game or a T-rated game for someone who is obviously underneath that age, and the, the parent is purchasing, purchasing it. You have to be like, this game has 
tobacco, smoking, sex, nudity, is that okay for your child? And then they'll be like, probably be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they'll be like, mm, maybe not. Um, so is that... Would they they have to do that anytime they sell the game? Because I'm just imagining if an adult walks in, if I walk in, I'm clearly like above no, the age. Are they going to tell me that? The, if I, my the, mom walked in, would they tell her that? Like, it would be a, if you're buying a video game for someone who is clearly too young for it. Okay. That typically they'll be like, this game has this and this and this. Are you sure you want to give this to your child? And they'll be like, yeah, you know, or no. I mean, I can understand some parents being like, when I grow up, my kid's probably going to play Call of Duty because it's fun. And I'll explain to them that it's this is a game that is violent and this is a game um, purely meant for sort of entertainment purposes and is not meant to be taken in a, in, a, in a way of condoning this type of violence. Yeah. Um, this this game is meant to be fun and have a good time. It's not meant for you to be like, let me go and hurt someone. Yeah. Um, and make that fun for them. So and I've had that problem as well. I don't remember any specific times. My parents were always really good with not letting me get like an M-rated game. Yeah, the your first, parents are a bit more more strict. Yeah, strict, but also they pay attention to those kinds of things. They do, and you know that's a, that's a good thing, and I, and I appreciate that because I wasn't exposed to certain like violent aspects, things that would have upset me as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so that was why always I'm so really messed good. up today. <laughs> I'm just a big bag of nothing. Um, I wasn't gonna go that far, but if you feel like that, I think you need to seek some help. <laughs> Yeah, my parents were, and I want to touch on this, is like today's games, there was a, like a, a spread of years, like five or six years, where there was nothing coming out that wasn't violent. Yeah. It was just this, like, how violent can we get? How more violent can we get? It was just Call of Duty games. It was shooting people. It was uh, dumb one-liners and tossing someone off a building. It was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And that was just like... Six or six or so years, and it was. I remember that because being a kid and growing up, like the only games I could get were Nintendo games mm-hmm. because everything else was too violent. Everything else was really violent, and luckily in the past couple of years, I feel like just from the from the amount of new development companies and the amount of just new games coming out and just this uh, open source sort of software that allows people to code and create their own games just this it's flooded the market with games that are more artistic and more expressionistic and less just crazy violent mm-hmm. yeah it just bothers me that sometimes parents don't get that sort of link and there's also this argument that like video games cause violence yeah which is a big argument and i feel like i i can't not talk about it if i want to you know talk about video games and violence yeah um you look like you had something you wanted to say well it's because you mentioned something earlier and i wanted to bring it up but you just kept talking and i was like okay keep going but it there was like this cycle I, I forget what you said but it was some kind of like i just feel like there's a cycle of like there is that's what you said there's violence in our world and so that's why video games like has violence in them but then people use video games as like this is why there's violence in our world like it, it feels like it's almost like a a cycle but it's not i mean we were humans have been violent since we were yeah created. way before video like, games and one of the things that i wanted to say is that can people have been blaming violence on different forms of media and different types of things since the early 1900s mm-hmm. first they blamed it on cars then they blamed it on the radio and they blamed it on television and then movies and now video games it's just the politics of the world and society of the world just has i wrote down they're called contemporary folk devils right mm-hmm. so the media now is like all these video games are making people really violent 
mm-hmm. and it's it's not true. Violence has been there. Video games are just now a part of the world, and yeah. it's 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 not causation or correlation. It just they exist simultaneously. Yeah, and they're trying to find something that they can pin violence on. They're they're trying to like society or governments or whatever they're trying to be like we're not really violent we're violent because of these things like- yeah and science is, has done many studies especially uh in the late 90s early 2000s on just sort of the impact of violence in video games on people and some studies have said that there's been a correlation other studies have said there's been no correlation and some studies have been like well, it improves hand-eye coordination. That's about it. Mm. Uh, but science, I wrote down, science cannot and never will be able to explain why people choose to kill those that are innocent or why people choose to commit violent, violent acts. You think science will never be able to figure that I out? I don't think so. I think that as the human mind evolves and changes with time, science will never be able to catch up and truly understand a human mind well enough to understand why someone, just sporadic acts of violence from people that I think that it has typical. to do with mental issues like but what mental issues you're missing something is that what you're talking about like what are they missing but like because you have to because we as as humans we i can never imagine even with the the issues that i have depression anxiety whatever i never think of like oh let me take another like human life or anything like that so you have to clearly be missing something. Something's not working. The neurons in your brain clearly aren't connecting for you to be like, yeah, I'm going to do this, and it's fine, you know? I mean, at this point, I don't feel like we can we can specifically pin that on one problem, personally. Okay. Uh, I think that just science has been trying to pin it on whatever, and politics have been trying to pin it, on one specific thing, but there is no one specific problem or one specific cause, I should say, like external. Yeah. Okay. I will say that. I will say there's not one specific external reason for it, but something happens. Um, the main cause of it is something happens in your brain where there's no more connection. You have like disconnected from something. And then I get that the issues can be different. So what caused you to lose that connection can be different. That can be external problems. That can be parental problems. That can be family problems. That can be internal problems. That can, those are different. But it all comes down to what I was trying to say is that there is some kind of disconnection. And I think that's trying, I was trying to say that kind of same thing. I think we just kind of had a disconnect there. and didn't exactly get what we were trying to say. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the, biggest i think pushes for this sort of study and and need to study this and it's going to get a little heavy is just like the columbine shootings uh fair warning for anybody who doesn't want to listen to this or yeah let's let's put a let's put a thing at the beginning let's let people know we'll record it at the end put it at the beginning when i do some editing um just a little warning for these people is uh, yeah the columbine shootings one of the big Big things was that one of the shooters, his name was uh, Eric Harris, was sort of obsessed with Doom. He spent a lot of time in the Doom community. So there's gaming communities, right? Back in the early age of the internet, there were sites that you could go on where you could put up mods of computer games, uh, a mod being a modification of this game. 
uh, in some sense, right? So nowadays we see mods in like Skyrim and you turn all the dragons into Thomas the Tank Engine. Early versions of that was creating your own maps, your own sprites, and uh, altering the text of the game a little bit. So this guy, Eric Harris, has spent a lot of time online modifying and creating his own versions of Doom. And there's actually a lot of research into which pieces he did, which files were his. And uh, there's a comp compilation of not the files, but the explanations of the files uh, on the wiki of Doom, on the Doom wiki, so the official site for Doom. I'm not in any way condoning. And I want to I wanna be very clear. Obviously not. Like, um, I'm not condoning anything that happened. Uh, and when I defend that video games might not cause violence, I don't want people to think that I am trying to lessen what happened at, at, at Columbine or any sort of school shooting for that matter. Mm -hmm. This was the, the one, number one worst school shooting for eight years. I don't know. It's just really, it's, it's sad for me as someone who really enjoys not just that game, but just sort of this community of, of gamers and to, to see something perverted like that and yeah. then used as fodder for the canon that video games are unhealthy or terrible for people yeah. is really, it's really disheartening because it's like one person, like we were talking about as, as an exception, not the status quo. One person, this one exception is causing this domino effect that can affect uh, an industry and, and a growing industry at that. And that's all I really wanted to talk about that it's just like people don't realize that they, they blame doom for his actions when they're not thinking about how aggressive people and people with violent tendencies tend to seek out violent and aggressive forms of media to cope with that or to fill that hole mm -hmm. there's a quote from a socialist sociological um socialist socialist nah uh, sociological journal, journal uh, written by Karen Sternheiner that says, uh, quote, it is no accident that media affects research uh, and the individual explanations dominate press attempts to explain the behavior of the school shooters. Although many politicians are happy to take up the cause against video games, popular culture itself suggests an apolitical explanation of violence and discourages a broader examination of structural factors. Focusing on extremely rare and perhaps unpredictable outbursts of violence by young people discourages the public from looking closely at more typical forms of violence against young people, which is usually perpetrated by adults. The biggest problem with media effects research is that it attempts to decontextualize violence. Poverty, neighborhood instability, unemployment, and even family violence fall by the wayside in most of these studies. Ironically, even mental illness tends to be overlooked in this psychological, uh, in this psychologically oriented research. Young people are seen as passive media consumers, uniquely and uniformly vulnerable to media messages. End quote. What that is sort of saying in, in layman's terms is that people are looking at these aggressive and violent people saying that this media is the only effect on it. And we were talking about that. It's not the only effect there are hundreds of other if not thousands of other stressors in one person's life that can lead to to violence and to, to these um like you said unprecedented and unexplainable outbursts of violence it's just you know something that adds on to that or that 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 could feed into that for someone but doesn't necessarily mean it causes yeah this problem so that's that's the big thing i wanted to say about like 
violence. Again, like, you know, I don't condone any of it, and I, it's, it's a terrible thing, and it is something that we do have to deal with. But in the same way, it's not just this one media. Yeah. Like, the same could be said about any media. Any sort of violent media can cause someone to sort of indulge in this violent fetishism. Exactly. It's, I think it's people who already have some kind of mental instability who is looking for a way to maybe get this aggression out or to, to fill that hole like you were saying and then they find these video games or it can be even like movies or just any kind of media they find this and they latch onto it and it just feeds into it and it makes it worse and then that's when you have these these outbursts it's not really caused by video games or by these films it was somebody who came into this with all, with their own problems already and then because of this it it just it got out of hand it becomes perverted exactly when they should seek help when mm -hmm. they should seek therapy or communication with somebody yeah and you know if you're experiencing some sort of like aggression or you feel this sort of aggression or like maybe i don't know i'm just trying to say like if you feel if you're like going through something if you feel aggression if you have your own issues that you're going through mental or emotional reach out to somebody yeah there's people around you all the time 100 percent of the time there's going to be someone that'll listen to you and care for you and if you feel like you don't have anyone who will listen to you i will listen to you yeah i'll listen to you please reach out yeah you know people are meant to help other people we you don't want to just give up on someone you know yeah um so yeah anyway anyway let's bring it back to brighter stuff brighter stuff my turn randy's turn randy's turn yeah we're gonna we're gonna take a 180 <laughs> Okay, we're talking about violence in movies. Woo <laughs> it's a lot of great, but you know, today's just a just a darker toned episode. And that's it is okay. a darker toned episode, but we're gonna pick it up a bit from where we yeah. were. <laughs> I think it's just it's important to touch on, of course, and um, sort of darker tones because if we if we look at just the light sides of of media and the light sides of um, you know these you know the world if we just look at the light sides of the world and we neglect these dark sides then you know art is is meant to encapsulate the world as you see it or the world as you experience it and so only choosing one side of it really just sort of takes away from your yeah from your art so it's important to to look at the world and it's it, it, to look at the world with you know glasses that show truth truth glasses truth glasses yeah. not rose-colored glasses nah no rose-colored glasses what is it bojack horseman that's like if you Look at the world through rose-colored glasses. All the red flags just look like flags. Really? Yeah, Bojack. That's brilliant. Bojack Horseman is brilliant. I've never like really gotten into it, but I've seen bits and pieces there, and all of that I've seen has just been. Why is that so freaking accurate? That's, oh my goodness. But like you were talking about, um, I feel like not all media's, but with video games and with movies, there's a rating system. Um, but before there was a rating system for movies, we're going way back before what you're talking about. You're talking about the 1990s. We're going back to the 1920s. Woo! We're going way back, almost to the beginning of film. Um, and they had something called the Motion Picture Production Code. 
Have you ever heard of this? Never heard of it. Never. Not okay. Anyways, um, so this was developed by Will Haynes. Or Hayes, sorry, not Haynes. Anyways, the motion picture production code, it was developed by Will Hayes. 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 Um, and so it was like a list of don'ts and be careful of like rules for films. It's like the Pastafarianism of film. What? Have you never heard of Pastafarianism? No. We're gonna go on a tangent. Pastafarianism is oh, no. is the religion in which you worship the giant flying spaghetti monster um whose tentacle tentacle arms are like spread across the universe um and it's 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 a parody religion it's so great it's it, it's got like the the it's like the 10 commandments but it's like the eight you really rather shouldn't it's the best it's so hard not to laugh i'm crying <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great uh and what's that uh colin you can so when you take your um id picture you can legally wear a colander because it's part of your religion so you have to wear a colander during your uh id picture so if you ever see someone with a this colander, is a real thing real thing it I exists i want to do that uh, i'm gonna do that next, next time i take your, my id picture <laughs> we have to put it on legal documents that you're a pastafarian Aww. uh and then if you get married it has to be a pirate wedding Okay, it doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> it's it's pretty great. It's it's really it's really funny. It's a really funny like you should do some more research on it because it is the best. Because this is yeah. It's like the seven you really rather shouldn't. <laughs> you really rather shouldn't. Uh, and the whole thing is that like you really rather shouldn't do this, but I'm not going to say no. <laughs> and so it's, it's great. Anyway, media code. It wasn't enforced until 1934, when it was finally enforced. They said that filmmakers didn't have to follow it. Unless they wanted their movies to be in American theaters. That's a pretty bold statement. I don't know how you were going to show it. You're going to show it to your friends in your living room. Wasn't going to be in a theater. I mean, I mean you got to do what you, you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. So this production code came about in response to movies that had come out in the 1920s. So, you know, the 20s is the roaring 20s. And so a lot of the movies during that time had provocative scenes a little bit risque. And some of those movies were I'm Not Angel, Babyface, and Sign of the Cross. Um, Some of these rules also included making fun of religions and saying the Lord's name in vain, things like that. I feel like that kind of breaks the First Amendment a little bit. See? So this is is why I wanted to bring this up, because you were talking about for yours that they, because they didn't want to, the government didn't want to hinder or the developers didn't want the government to hinder their creation process, didn't want to say what they can't and couldn't create. This is basically what they did. They were, they were saying, you can't say this, but you can say this. So it was really hindering what they could say. There were movies, however, so this was in America. There were movies, however, in the 1920s and the early 30s that did have violence, things that were against the production code, and that was the Battleship of Potsdamkin. I watched this movie. I don't know how to say the name. It's P-O-T-E-M-K-I-N. Potmenkin. Potmenkin. Um, it came out in 1925, and it is really famous for this one scene where these guards are guarding a... Whoa. Whoa! <laughs> Back up. Are guarding <laughs> a building, and all of these people are frustrated, and they're running up the, the stairs, and the guards fire down on them and are killing them and hurting them and wounding them. 
And at the very end of the scene, all you see in amongst all of these these bodies laying around the ground is a lone stroller going down the stairs no! with a baby in it. There's a baby. And so it's and it's very somber and you're just worried for this baby. Are they going to fall out? Like what's going to happen? Are they going to get hurt? Is somebody like nothing happens. But it was that's one of the examples of a foreign film that they didn't have these rules put on them about what they could and couldn't show. This was purely in America. Yeah. Some of the rules. We're going to get into some of the, the, the little we're, game. We're going to make a little, uh, uh, let's make a game song right now. I'm going to make a game song. You can make a game song. Oh, you got to help me. It won't be any fun if you don't help. Give me a beat. You, <laughs> you got a beatbox. You got a beatbox. I have to beatbox? Yeah. No. Come on. I don't know how to beatbox. Boots and, give me a boots and cats. Boots and cats. <laughs> That's it. That's you getting. That's it? Boots and cats. <laughs> it's the game. It's the game. <laughs> a boots and cats. A boots and cats. Boots kids, boots kids. Here we play the game. Boots kids, boots kids. Boots Here kids. we play the game. Boots kids, boots it's a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, winner. Uh, give me. Uh, what's the uh, g- um, golden? Uh, the globe. It's, it's the the music. What's the the music award? Tony. I want. Give me. Give me Tony. This isn't a good game, but I just want you to 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 say some movies that we're. These things do happen today. Tell me. Tell me. Okay, tell me the game. So again. the first one, the audience should never feel sympathy for the wrongdoer. Joker. Yeah. That's the first one that came to my mind. Brutal killings shouldn't be shown in detail. Joker. Joker. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. No, I, let's make a rule. I can't say the same movie twice. Okay. Uh, what was it? Brutal killings shouldn't be shown in detail. Saw. Okay. Firearms showed only if essential to the plot so otherwise they should not be shown firearms that's a difficult one because what would we consider essential to the plot exactly and i read through the rules and i could not find what classifies as being essential to the plot see that makes me feel like it's like that under those circumstances it would be like a war movie Mm -hmm. so maybe um what's the buster keaton's the general those guns would be essential to plot but I think that's what they mean. If you're talking about military battles, things like that, or police officers, they would have to carry a gun. Yeah. So let's say the Godfather. Okay. No obscenity or profanity. There's a A lot lot of movies that have profanity. A lot to choose from. Watch your profanity. Watch your profanity. Argo. Not Fargo. Argo. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. The movie about um, getting... Syrian uh, getting American hostages out of Syria, I think. Okay. And it's a true story. Oh, dang. Good movie. Laws, moral or human, shouldn't be ridiculed. Ridiculed. Laws, moral or human, should not be ridiculed. <sighs> that's a good that's a good one because what's a like, like like a moral law? Do they define a moral law? It's based on religion. Okay. So not be ridiculed. So they can be broken, right? They can be broken. They can be broken. But they can't be ridiculed. You can't 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 make make fun of them. them. Mm -hmm. I can't think of something that that breaks that one Mm -hmm. because I can't think of something so specific of like making fun of a law, Mm -hmm. especially in contemporary movies because now they just break it. That's true. Ah, I can't. I can't. That's too specific. That's, That's strangely specific. For that one, I would say Bonnie and Clyde. I've never seen Bonnie and Clyde. Okay. But I would say Bonnie and Clyde for that one because they purposely, they know that robbing is 
bad, yet they still continue to do it and make it seem like it's fun. Make it seem like, ooh. Ooh, we're robbing a bank. I mean, that's their famous line. We rob banks. Brutality to officers. Oh, man. That's all. Uh, you could not show you beating up a cop. And think about the media today. <laughs> so there's a brutality to police officers. Mm -hmm. You couldn't show any sort of, like, resistance to a police officer? Yeah. See, I don't watch a lot of movies. It's this okay. is really difficult for me. It's a game. <laughs> it's a game. It's a game. <laughs> movies with brutality towards specifically police officers mm -hmm. or just hurting a police officer. Maybe the end of the fucking world, the show on Netflix. Yeah. I would say there's brutality towards police officers in yeah, there at some point. Definitely. I would agree with that. Now, these aren't so much to do with violence, and I'll quickly just run over these so we don't take up more time but oh, these man. are take up all the time you want this is fun so this is these are do you want to keep playing oh would you give me give me let's go two more two, two more. more okay no adultery adultery mm -hmm. can you uh, think of a movie with adultery in it? i can but like i was watching a movie the other like the other week and like adultery makes me so uncomfortable yeah like just to me because of my personal like beliefs and stuff it's just adultery is like the worst because cheating on someone is just feels so dirty it made me so uncomfortable, but now that like I'm thinking about it out loud, man, I wish I watched more movies. It's okay. Hit me. The Graduate. Graduate. You've never seen The Graduate. Nope. Uh, 1968. Forget the name of the main actor, but he gra recently graduated high school, and he comes back, and his neighbor, Mrs. Robinson, tries to seduce him. I remember. Are Devil you all the time. To seduce me, Mrs. Robinson. No. <laughs> Devil all the time. Devil all the time. I finally watched it. Yeah, it was so good. We talked about it a while back. Absolutely talked no, about I it. No, I know we talked about it, but where is there adultery in it? The 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 priest, the the pastor. Ah. Yeah. He's married. They don't talk about it much. The wife's just sort of there, but that's the point. Mm -hmm. The artistic point that the wife is just sort of there for him. Yeah. Just doesn't yeah, anyway. Okay, one more. Lustful kissing, embracing, or suggestive positions. Lust oh wait, gone with Any the wind. Any movie. Gone with the wind. You can pick. Any movie, and it any will break movie. that. I don't know about any movie. Horton Hears a Who. Is there lustful embracing? <laughs> <laughs> Not lustful and Horton Hears a Who's Horton hugging? <laughs> oh, jeez. No, but Gone with the Wind. That was the first one that comes to mind because that really awkward kissing scene right in the middle. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but that one always got me. When they're just like, she's like, I hate you. And then he, he she's holding him. And then they just sort of like press their faces together. I always wonder, is, like, is that how people Ugh. kissed back then? Okay, to complete the list really quickly, no complete nudity, no racist slurs. See, that one that one makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's a, but that's an interesting one for the 20s, which was such a racially segregated time. Exactly. That's interesting. Uh, no talk of abortion. If so, it must be condemned. You must say... You have to say no to abortion. You have to say no to abortions. No homosexuality, no excessive drinking, drugs, or gambling. Yeah, but this was the Prohibition era, too. Mm -hmm. So. But this lasted, so I, I didn't mention that. This lasted up until 1968. 1968? Mm -hmm. You're kidding. Nope. There were movies at that time that broke a bunch of those rules. Oh, yeah. So did they just sort of filter it out and they just stopped sort of paying attention to it? So by 1959 was when they, the movie Some Like It Hot came out, uh, where there's... 
men wearing drag and gambling and heavily drinking and these things. And that's about the time that most people consider it to be completely gone. There are movies throughout the time that do have some of these, that do break some of these rules. Don't ask me how they made it, because I don't know. I mean, it could be like a night trap scenario where the government isn't looking too closely. That's true. Like, to, to think about it, to screen every movie. You're right. For all of the, what is it, like 12 specific rules. Mm-hmm. And you, oh, there's way more than this. These were the most, they, there's more that go into religion. You can't say God's name in vain. You can't talk about hell. You can't make fun of religions. There's a bunch more that I didn't go into. These are just the most common ones that we see today in movies talk about a lot. Yeah. At least I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so 1959 was about the time when most people considered it to be gone, but it was still in place. But this is about the time when people really didn't care much for it anymore and just started breaking the rules. Um, it was fully, um, abolished in 1968 and 1968 was also the time that we switched from old Hollywood to new Hollywood. So this is where we, because of this shift in these, production codes and what you can and can't do we shifted from old conservative air quotes around conservative movies to this new age of openness and more realistic and more of what life truly is and the situations that we have in life there was that switch and they came out with the new rating system that we still have today the gpg pg-13 yep so some of the movies that came out that I just briefly wanted to talk about um, that came out in 1968 that helped, or that came out in 1967, the year before the production code was abolished. These movies helped kind of set the stage for New Hollywood and really brought about this um, abolishment of this code. So I already mentioned a couple of them because they do break these rules. So one of them is Bonnie and Clyde. came out in 1967. Um, obviously, brutal killings are shown. Oh, you haven't seen it. No. So Bonnie and Clyde, it's the actual... They were real people back in the 30s, I believe. And so this is a retelling of their story. And so they were bank robbers. They went around cities and they had friends and a whole gang that would follow them and they would do bad things. They would break the law. And they had many shootouts, so brutality against police. They In the movie, they do show them shooting and killing police officers. And then at the very end of the movie, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, you should go watch the movie. It's a great movie. I think most people know the story of Bonnie and Clyde, though. But if you haven't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go see the movie or read up on it. They die at the end. There's a huge police shootout. A hundred and eight bullets rang through their bodies. That's a hundred and nine more than I want. <laughs> yeah, and so that was a gruesome, that was definitely a brutal killing. Did they count? Was there like a little counter on the side and they were like, Hundred, you know, like cinema sins, dings every time a bullet goes through. I don't know. Uh, There's profanity, brutality to an officer, lustful kissing, embracing, and suggestive positions. There is a little bit of nudity. There is. Is it his or hers? Hers. Gross. Gross. (laughs) And there is a hint at homosexuality. Because. Uh, Cl- Clyde. Mm-hmm. Clyde was um, Clyde was homosexual, right? Or suggested to be. Suggested, yeah. yeah. It was believed that he was. I don't think anyone ever definitively said if he was. Oh, or yeah, not. I mean, who's gonna say now? That's true. <laughs> I was, I was Clyde's lover back in nineteen twenty-three. <laughs> God, that man's old. 
you think about how old he was when that happened versus when he was like, oh, how are you still alive? Man. I'm 93 years old. So there was also The Graduate, which I talked about, and I already explained the, the plot of the movie, but that shows adultery with Mrs. Robinson that has profanity and has lustful kissing. It shows nudity for one frame. You see her boob, her full boob. No. Full boob. No. One frame. If you blink it, you don't see it. <laughs> and that's at 24 frames per second. You have 1 24th of a second to see that tube. Whole boob. <laughs> and the last movie is In the Heat of the Night. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. I can almost assure you uh, none of these movies have been seen by me. Okay. Well, that's great. Then you get to learn about them. In the Heat of the Night uh, showcases a black detective who comes to the South I don't know when it is. It's in the 60s, I believe. It's supposed to be taken late 50s, early 60s, so during the civil rights movement. Um, black officer, black detective comes down to the South and is helping the police officer and police chiefs down there try and solve a murder. Um, and, of course, because he's black in the South, he gets a lot of ridicule and a lot of the, the police chief doesn't believe that he should be there and that he's not going to help and is very racist towards him. So in this movie, there's also a lot of profanity. There's racist uh, slurs, racial slurs. They say the N-word nine times. Nine times? Nine times in the film. And it hurt every time I heard it. It did not like That's that. ten times more than I want to hear it. <laughs> and they also talked about abortion in the film. So at the end, when they're trying to figure out who the murderer is and they're coming right down to the wire, it's like between two people, the 16-year-old girl comes in and says that she's pregnant and her older brother says, that, oh, it was one of your officers that did it, arrest him, and she's going to get an abortion. They never condemn it. They never say that she should not get an abortion. They're just like, yeah. Okay. I mean, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it for the time... Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, abortions didn't really become something that was widely accepted till the 21st century. Mm -hmm. So uh, seeing it, you said it was in the 60s. 60s. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, or it's, it's we see a lot in media just sort of people that are ahead of the curve and, and, and things that are ahead of the You're curve. Right. And this is just one of those one of those instances where it was the, the director and the writer, and they, they, he was just ahead of the curve mm -hmm. in accepting these things. They also said that you shouldn't even say the word abortion, which I just remembered. And they said it multiple times. So when you're talking about abortion in a film back during this time, you should only suggest it. With a lot of these things, you should only suggest them. You shouldn't show them. But for these three films, they did explicitly show them. Um, they did say abortion. They did say racial slurs. They did show brutality to officers. They showed adultery, things like this. And they showed the boob. I showed one frame of the boob. I do not wish to see the boob. <laughs> um, but before this, during the time of the production code and before, if they wanted to show brutal killings, if they wanted to show anything along these lines, they had to suggest it and they couldn't show it on screen. Isn't that why Hitchcock went around in, in his film Psycho rather than actually have the girl being seen stabbed. Yeah. Is why it's he uses his... I just remember this. Like, I don't know where I did a little bit of study on Hitchcock in one of my classes. Uh, 
shows sort of like the knife and then the girl and then the girl screaming and then the blood and the drain mm-hmm. but Just, but never you shows you don't see it though that's yeah, the thing you never you never see actual stabbing happening and you never see her with stab wounds you just mm-hmm. you see, assume you assume is schindler's list who's that is that hitchcock as well i don't know oh look it up look it up because um, in schindler's list you never see the girl in red you know die and you never see her body but you do see her coat steven spielberg spielberg mm-hmm. but that was that was after that was after that was 1993 yeah so uh but you know just that sort of style or technique like we mentioned in the horror episode like just letting your audience imagine imagine is worse almost and yeah. so that's why i feel like they had to come up with these rules even though they weren't showing it they were still being they were still heavily influencing the audience because whatever you imagine is going to be worse than what someone can show you we talked about this like you said in the horror film and so that's why they had to put some of these rules in place and even like hinder it more One thing I want to mention just while you're sort of scrolling through your notes is it's interesting to me how we pick these subjects at random. Mm-hmm. We pick them at random, but it always sort of, except for the first two. I think the first two, we were like, we wanted to do AAA games and indie games sort of at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of them, we've just sort of picked at random. And it's really been interesting to me how we've been able to call back and use things that we've talked about in previous episodes yeah. and how they apply to what we're talking about in the next episode. And, so, and part of that is just sort of the stream of, con- of human consciousness. But it's just, you know, I just thought it'd be... But it also just shows how these rules aren't just on their own. These these go in and out of genres. They go in and out of medias. They work everywhere. And Yeah, just these, you know, just the way that media works. It, it, there's... How the human mind works. It's how we interpret media, how we take in entertainment. Yeah, and yeah. truly beautiful and strange thing. And as an artist trying to sort of Un- unlock this 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 puzzle is you know that's your job i guess is is to find ways to sort of bring all these things together and, and use the human mind to your advantage mm-hmm. to tell your message and to spread what exactly. you want to spread you know uh and i think in sort of in the in the terms of like violence like we don't want to you know, use violence for violence's sake. Violence needs to tell a story. There needs to be point behind the violence. You can't just it can't just be gratuitous uh, for the sake of being gratuitous. Exactly. Um, which is where I think a lot of games find. What what I think saddens me about a lot of games is is that you know the violence is there for the violence, and that's what people are buying into is just this violence, um, because in society, like we talked about. You know, you know, this it's not really a cycle, but the more violence that we layer in the media, the more violence we're going to see in the world. It's th- this this effect. So when you get a red car, you don't really think about it beforehand. But once you get a red car, you start noticing red cars everywhere. That's a break in the matrix. I just want to talk about that for a second. That People have talked about that on TikTok, and I believe everything on TikTok. <laughs> Somebody said that that's a break in the matrix. Once you see a yellow car and you acknowledge that you've seen a yellow car, you will keep seeing them. And it works every time I've tried it. Every time I see a yellow car, I'm like, I saw a yellow car. I'm going to see another yellow car. 
30 seconds later, another yellow card. And it's just because your mind is thinking about it. If your mind wasn't consciously focusing on, I'm going to see another yellow car, you wouldn't notice the other yellow car. you're right. But the, the car is still there, probably. Mm. probably. Pro- mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, object permanence is still something we're working on as a society. So True. But it's just, you know, you know when, once we see this violence and we acknowledge that, like, this gratuitous violence and this this over the top violence and we see it and we we acknowledge it we're just going to see that in the world as, as we're going to see the world as just you're violent right. and like i was saying earlier like there's light and dark to the world so if you're just seeing the violence in the world you're not getting also the light and you know the good things about the world the beautiful things about it um what people are doing for each other that's that's helpful the, the beauty in in helping your fellow man or beauty in nature if you're just looking at the violence side, it's just like you're still only getting half the picture. So when it comes to art, you need to embrace everything about society and everything about the world. You can't just pick and choose whether it's the media just picking to choose this negative side of of, of the world and this violent side of the world, or it's just uh, you know choosing to ignore it, ignore that violent side and just see the bright side. You can't do that as an artist mm-hmm. um, and effectively convey a message because people are not going to latch onto it as well as they would if you didn't have both the light and the dark. It's not as impactful or powerful. Yeah. It's also about showing violence and I not in a good light because I feel like violence is never good, but it's doing it respectfully. Like you were saying, there are some movies and I do have some listed down like Rambo and True Lies. Um Rambo came out in 1982 and True Lies in 1994 and those movies are known for their almost senseless killing of just with machine guns and just wiping out a bunch of people and the characters seem to have no remorse for it and that paints it in a really bad light and it makes it gives me an uneasy feeling when you see something like that happen even like we were talking about with the devil all the time um those kinds of that violence and those things they just they make you feel like why does no one have why are you like this you have it goes back to that 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 thing that you just have something disconnected in your brain and when we see that in the media it it paints it in a a really bad light and it can have this continuous circle of us seeing violence in media and then us seeing violence in the world and both of these things kind of amping up together but there are some movies that show violence in a, a really not positive, light is the wrong word, but respectful way. And one of those is uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. I think that does a really great job of showing the the violence and the just horribleness of warfare in a respectful way. There were many people, and I was reading up on the, the movie, many people were crying in the theater when they watched it oh, i mean yeah it's a it's a difficult movie to watch i haven't seen it mm-hmm. um it's one of my dad's favorite movies my dad loves war movies that's funny because my my papa my my dad's dad um loves like world war Two and and war history books mm-hmm. he loves to read books about war history so every time his birthday rolls around father's day rolls around um you know we get him a we get him a, a good book, a good well rated book on war history. He burns through it in a month. <laughs> and then he's like taking notes on it and it's great. My dad loves war movies. He loves Saving Private Ryan. Um he loves uh I do know uh, it's it's a Force Gump. Force Gump. 
kind of a war movie. Not really. Not but it's really, got war in it. But it has war in it. Um, but he just loves that the, he, every time we see it on TV, he's like, hey, have you guys seen Private Ryan? And everyone in my family is like, yes. And I'm like, no. And he's like, do you want to watch it? And they're like, no. And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> and yet you've still never seen it. <laughs> well, it's because the rest of the family is like, every time it's on, you ask to watch it. And he's like, I like the movie. And I'm like, I've never seen the movie. Because I was too young to watch it when they would all watch it. Uh -huh. and, and so then by the time my turn rolled around to watch it, now they don't want to watch it. You just have recommendations now? Yeah. I'm going to recommend Die Hard because I recently watched that over the weekend, had never seen it before. Definitely a lot of violence in it. Makes me wish that nobody ever had a gun, that guns didn't exist. I thought the point of this was to recommend movies that used tasteful violence. Oh. But I really like Dead, Die Hard. Dead Hard. Dead Hard? Dead is Hard. It, is it a Christmas movie? It is a Christmas movie. <laughs> I will. I was a person. I had never seen it before, and I was a person who was like, "No, it's not a Christmas movie." I watched it. It's a Christmas movie. I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to watch it at Christmas 100% time. Hundred percent a Christmas movie. It's not bad. It's not like it. It it shows violence in a very wrong way where there's senseless killing. There is killing throughout the film, but these people are terrorists, and so it's either you die or they die. So it's in self defense. I feel like it's justified. Nice. Yeah, watch out, man. You might break your legs backpedaling there. What do you mean? I did not such thing. I didn't know such thing. <laughs> yeah, my recommendation would be The Last of Us, the first one. Okay. Uh, it does have a lot of violence in it, uh, but you know the violence is is painted in in a light that is very thematically fitting mm -hmm. i think because of the the way the story goes and it uh it doesn't sort of you know condone violence in a sense it definitely uses violence uh to its advantage to advance the story so i think that those would that those at least actually both of those games would be great games for that example but i think the first one fits that bill a little better mm -hmm. yeah thanks for joining us on this uh intellectual journey uh we will see you guys next week uh yeah. Media for the Intellectually Impoverished is produced by Trey Taylor Smith and Miranda Randy Zapes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MFTII Podcast or email us at MFTII Podcast at gmail.com. That's MFT2I's Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>